Hey guys, thank you so much for joining us to the sixth episode of the Thinking Out Loud podcast. Today we have Mr. Arjun Vaidya with us. Uh, Arjun is a name which is extremely synonymous to the D two C ecosystem in the country. Arjun was born and brought up in Bombay. Did his schooling from an IB. Went on to Brown University, which was an Ivy League college, which is rather an Ivy League college. Ended up working in investment banking for some time. Came back to India to. reinvent the wheel sort of a thing to kickstart his family business in the in the ayurvedic space he created a d2c brand out of it called doctors doctor vedyas which was then acquired after four and a half five years by the goenka rpg group and now he is currently leading the d2c investments at world invest and arjun also has his own podcast which is again about marketing the consumer sentiment within the country So a very brief introduction about Arjun and Sam- Samya and I from both our sides. We are so thankful for you to be here and you know sharing your life journey, sharing your thoughts with us. Thank you so much, Arjun. Oh, looking forward to having a chat. Awesome. So I think we can now start with the conversation. And uh, Arjun, like at the very onset, right? Uh, what introduction that we gave was a very short one, but we would you know want to listen to your life and you know the. the swings that happened from here to there to restarting your family business to content to vc like you know just just a little more chronological throughput in terms of your life that would be great yeah look so i'll, I'll try to do it um, quickly because my journey is now well documented but i'll, I'll quickly talk about it um, so vedya my last name means ayurvedic doctor i come from a legacy of 150 years of ayurveda in my family my grandfather great grandfather and generation before all ayurvedic doctors but the legacy of our business at dr vedyas was not a business it was an ayurvedic clinic so my great grandfather moved from gujarat to mumbai set up an ayurvedic clinic uh, my grandfather graduated from college um, from medical school and then joined um, his father uh, in the business um, or or in the clinic um, in the 80s and 90s my dad became one of india's most successful ayurvedic doctors He used to see three hundred to three fifty patients a day in his clinic. Had twelve thousand patients on a monthly basis, trying to buy a post. Uh, but he was not a businessman. He didn't care for sales, distribution, marketing strategy. Um, he his high came from healing, from healing his patients. And so, um, I think uh, when my dad graduated from college, he wanted to take what my grandfather had in terms of formulations, IP, and create a brand out of it. You would imagine in the eighties, late eighties, early nineties, FMCG was just being built in India. So they tried to work together for a year, but my grandfather lost money for the first time when he did a TV campaign, and a doctor he had never seen a loss, right? So eventually he said, "Look, this is not for me. I'm happy to run my clinic." And my dad went his own way because he wanted to start a business and started a very successful business in the jewelry and watch space called Rose, which he's been running now for the last thirty-five, forty years. Um, I grew up with asthma. I grew up with juvenile bronchitis. I grew up with pumps, nebulizers, inhalers, steroids. I love cricket, and asthma prevented me from playing cricket. Um, and so, while most of my friends were playing cricket and football, I was playing golf and squash because there's too much dust on the cricket field. Um, I got an Ayurvedic treatment very early on, and by age 15, I was cured of asthma. I started playing cricket again, and I was made captain of my school cricket team. Um, it wasn't a great team, to be honest, and it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't um a large large um, group of people to choose from as well i also wasn't the best player but i was made captain because i was the most regular to practice 
Um, and so I became captain of the team, and that's when I started believing that Ayurveda meant more to me than just family legacy, right? It was something that had changed my life in some way, shape, or form. I went to college in the U.S. in 2009, and I saw a move towards natural organic products. Um, I saw yoga being repackaged, right? Yoga mats, yoga gyms, yoga apparel, Lululemon. I saw a multi-billion-dollar industry with yoga created in the U.S. And so I started thinking to myself, it's great that yoga is global, uh, but it's not so great that um, Indian companies have not taken yoga to the world. That, that's that was the sort of thought going going through my mind. Um, and so eventually, I I called my grandfather from campus and I said, we can't let the same happen with Ayurveda. Um, I moved back straight to India in 2013. I worked three years in private equity. Um, at a fund called L Capital, now called L Caritin. Um, and um, that's when I actually spent time understanding the consumer sector in India. Um, and I saw three large things changing. Right? I saw Indian consumers moving from an import-obsessed society to a society happy to consume quintessential Indian brands. Fab India was a company that we were invested in. Um, second, e-commerce um, was something I was given a project to do. Um, eventually, it became sort of my speciality at the fund as well. Um, and I realized that the e-commerce was not a fad, it was here to stay. Right? 2013, 14, 15, companies like Mintra, Jabong, Pepperfry, Bluestone, Zivami were just being created. Um, and then um, the third one was that 2014, the government changed, the Ministry of Ayush was created, and hundreds of thousands of um, consumers like you became interested in Ayurveda, the Patanji revolution was happening. Um, and so uh, Ayurveda became a big interest area. Right? In all of this, unfortunately, my grandfather passed. We had this rich legacy, all of these formulations, and I made him a promise that I'll do something with it. And so 2016, October, I quit my job, started a company named um, Dr. Vedias to take forward my family legacy um, of Ayurveda, but in a new age format to appeal to modern consumers. And that was the genesis of the business. The story of Dr. Vedias is very well known, uh, but very quickly, I'll tell you how that played out. So um, started the business in October 2016. We started offline, launched two products, failed miserably offline actually. We had 10 lakhs worth of stock in market, but we didn't have a right to win. We didn't know how to do offline. We couldn't find a way to compete against the large brands. Um, and so eventually 90% of the stock came back. And I made the decision to roll back offline because of all of these reasons. My wife, who was my girlfriend and then became my fiance was in the early team at Nika and she said that look I've seen the proliferation of e-commerce at Nika you've seen it as an investor why don't you do Ayurveda online no one's doing it I convinced her to join the business November 2017 we joined our web we we launched our website after she joined the business um, and from there over the next three years we scaled from zero to five thousand dollars a day launched shady products um, had 2 million plus transacting customers, became India's largest Ayurveda brand online, um, scaled to 16,500 pin codes in India, and gave access to consumers outside the top 10 cities, um, access to high quality Ayurvedic formulations and care at the touch of their fingertips that captured consumers' imagination. We raised some capital from RP Sanjeev Goenka Group in June 2019. Eventually, in March 21, um, they made an offer and we sold the business to them. They completely acquired the business. Brand still remains under their um, sort of um, portfolio, under their custodianship. 
And since then, both Trisha and I have been pretty involved in the ecosystem side. I've now made 80 angel investments. Um, I am an active mentor advisor in the consumer ecosystem. I teach India's largest cohort-based course on D2C um, through one of my angel portfolio companies called Growth School. I have a podcast, as you know. And professionally, I run a VC fund. So I run the venture arm of a large consumer sector-focused private equity fund called um, World Invest. We just set up a venture strategy called V3 Ventures in India. Um, to invest in the early stage of consumer businesses. Um, so that's my story of my journey encapsulated in a few minutes. Thank you. Thank you so much, Arjun, for that. That was like, you know, super insightful, super packed and, you know, very, very composed in a very nice way. And like I already mentioned in the beginning that, you know, D2C and Arjun Vedya can be used very synonymously in the Indian ecosystem. So, so thank you so much for that, Arjun. So, I I think there were a lot of things, Arjun, which you spoke, and I want to break it down into small uh, questions across. So, obviously, you you grew up in Mumbai, you went to an IB school, and then you went to IVD, right? So, how was it like, you know, studying in IV? What were your learnings? And uh, you know, people, you know, go to Ivy leagues, uh, and they have they build a huge network. So, for me. Uh, when it comes to an Ivy League or any good MBA school, maybe top five tens of India or the world, it, for me, I always feel it's not about what you study there or not about you know the curriculum. Uh, it's it because that might be same across all MBA schools across the country or the globe, but it's more about the network and the people uh, of the intellect you interact with, right? So, how was your entire experience, you know, studying in an Ivy League? Uh, what were your learnings there or is is it something there that you thought of coming and starting Dr. Vedyas or you know you always wanted to be working with like a private equity investment bank so so if you can walk us through that yeah look so I think uh, my four years at Brown were life-changing for me and I'm still a big cheerleader and ambassador for Brown in India I run the alumni organization here as well and the reason it was life-changing for me was actually um, it gave me a lot of exposure and made me the person I am. I was a really shy person um, before I went to college. And um, people who know me now know I'm the opposite of shy. Um, and, and so I think it gave me a lot of exposure, made me discover who I am, um, made me learn a lot of new things, but also meet people from across cultures. I went to an Ivy League school, but I also went to a university where there were only 11 Indians in the batch of 1,300 people, right? And so I made friends from across the globe. My five best friends. One is from Mexico, one is from Mauritius, one is from Colombia and one is from Germany, right? Um, and, and we still remain really, really close friends even almost 10 years after graduating. Um, at my wedding, I had more than 75 people from Brown, from outside of India, come down to Bombay for my wedding, right? And that shows the community and, and, and the bond and the relationships we fostered. And I think that exposed me to a lot of things, the way I think today, the way I thought about yoga and what should be done with Ayurveda. Um, and, and I had the best four years of my life. I became the person I am today in my four years at Brown. Um, and I wouldn't trade for anything else in the world. Um, and I didn't know I always wanted to be in private equity, by the way. Um, the story with that is I always wanted to be in the business side of brands. I'm very, I was and I'm still very enamored by um, why that logo on your t-shirt makes you pay 10 times the price of that t-shirt right and and same for me and so i met a brown alum who was a friend of my dad who's from the uk in bombay for dinner and he asked me what i wanted to do this is about 
four five months before I graduated, and I said I want to be in the business side of brands. He connected me actually to the French, the Paris office of the fund I eventually worked with, and they connected me to Singapore, who connected me to Bombay, and I eventually chose to to work in the the Bombay team. Uh, but that's how it ended up happening. So again, uh, uh, you know, I I think. you coming back to india working for a private equity and you obviously spoken about you know brands like mintra jabong uh, and obviously your wife had worked for nike so you have you wanted to be on the consumer side you've been on the consumer side so you mentioned that you know you started offline and then you went maybe you started e-commerce and you started at a time when maybe e-commerce was not so used like you know amazon was not so prominent or a uh, flipkart was not so prominent and now like every other day or every other thing we want it's it's online either i buy through amazon dmart mintra or whatever right so uh, like that shift from uh, like maybe i would say a b2b to a d2c kind of a model uh, like how did you get how was the transition like was it like you gave a good thought about it because you know the cac out there uh, getting more consumers or getting more traffic to your website all these things matter a lot when you go to e-commerce right so how did that entire phase go through how did you build an entire model from maybe a b2b to a d2c look i think uh, the business was uh, never b2b um, it was a clinic business uh, but the d2c journey started off when d2c didn't exist as a term right 2017 november when i told people i'm running an online only or digital first arvida business they laughed at me right but i think in the early days um, our problem was different from the problems brands have today today everyone buys online right and covid has just accelerated this phenomenon but in 2017 i had to really convince you or 2018 i had to really convince you to buy online there were fewer customers but with fewer customers what we had is a luxury of time So Trisha and I actually spent the first year learning business. We learned Facebook advertising, Google advertising, shop customer service. We used to pick up all the customer calls, spoke to every single customer, got all those insights, understood warehousing, logistics, retention, repeat orders, customer delight, all of these things, right? And for us, fortunately, we had the luxury of time. Don't have that today, right? You're in a different market environment where there is huge demand, but also huge competition. and so with that luxury of time for the first year we learned how to build an online business and scale from just 0 to 50 orders a day once we got to 50 orders a day we understood what it took and what it what you needed to do to make an online business tick and from there we had our journey of hyperscale so it was 0 to 50 orders in a year in a year and then 50 to 5000 in two years understood understood so arjun just to you know double click on your journey right i i had two follow up questions so one is with regards to your upbringing right so in one of our previous episode we had uh, ankit doshi he's the founder of inside iim who was there again a bombay guy studied at nm went to iim indore worked in investment banking and then started inside iim right so one thing that he mentioned very profoundly was that his upbringing his family upbringing was such that he was naturally inclined to be an entrepreneur and an investor in some sense right so i just wanted to understand this from your side that given your grandfather had his own clinic your father had his own business so did that in some way nurture your entire progression towards you know starting your own business 
and secondly with regards to your companionship with your wife in terms of the business setup as well like like most investors or most people in the ecosystem generally put out a comment saying that you know it's it's generally not advisable to have a couple handling or heading a business right but you guys i think were the first people to come to limelight who actually did it differently and scaled a business right so i just wanted to understand these two aspects which i don't think many people would have spoken to you about in a very public setup if i may say so yeah look so i'll i'll, I'll take the question about my my wife right i think um i've written about this a few times as well um, i think it's the best decision we made i made right to bring her on board why because when i reached march april 2017 and our offline business failed i also realized that look i'm running a business today um but there's too many moving parts the supply chain ops logistics procurement legal hr it admin sales distribution marketing strategy accounts hr finance um investor relations all of these things i couldn't do all of them very well right so i was a 5 on 10 across departments um and i knew i needed help and i needed help from someone who was equally incentivized as me um and so it seemed like um um i need to bring someone on board and 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 trisha had the perfect complementary skill sets to me right while i was the big picture guy i was good at branding marketing business development strategy big picture investors all of that she was good at the day to day so ops logistics crm warehousing day to day finance day to day performance marketing and so we actually split uh the business when she came on board and it worked exceptionally well look my view on partners working together is it can either go really well or really badly but if it goes really really well like it did for us um i think it's just a very formidable co- combination um that can really really get amazing results the one thing you do sacrifice though is a work life balance it's like more like a work life merger lots of times she used to say i'd like 12 o'clock at night when we're watching a tv show like and i paused it to tell her something about work am i your colleague or your wife but i think it was a sacrifice worth making because eventually paid out well for us fair fair and uh, arjun just to you know slide back to the first question right like in any sense right did some of those entrepreneurial uh, you know motivations that you had did did they by any chance have a root basis your family background basis your father doing something of his own basis your grandfather doing something of his own was there any connection to that per se oh uh, yeah look i think it 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 definitely helped to come from an entrepreneurial family right because as an entrepreneur you face lots of failures um and to have a support system of your family that's there that um helps when you need um when you're down and out right when you're you come back home and you're having dinner and you don't say a word um people need to be there to support you and know what to do in those circumstances so it really helped to have a family who had seen entrepreneurship before um for us it was a great support system um i can tell you a story about covid right so when the first wave hit obviously we were essential right so we needed to stay open so 10 days after the first lockdown was announced we were back at work april 1st 2020 but at that time you would remember there was lots of fear towards covid and so lots of people didn't come back to work especially in our warehouse so we only six people in the warehouse when demand had surged and so my brother my family business is luxury jewelry and watches 
there was not so much happening in the first sort of couple of months of lockdown for them and so he said look i'm free um i'll leave my work and i'll come to your warehouse and help you pack orders um and that actually allowed us so much more efficiency in the first few days of the pandemic so i think family coming together support system coming together is critical for an entrepreneur and i was really lucky to have it um another story my grandmother used to help my granddad back in the days in the clinic when we had demand surge and less people in the warehouse we used to bring the courier bags home to label so we take pre labeled courier bags which was 5000 10000 orders a day right and six eight people she would help in the nights help us stick the labels on the courier bags so i think um it was really helpful and really nice to have a support system it just made you feel like you're not the only one who's doing this and there are other people who care i think that's pretty sweet like in terms of getting bonded and having a very pretty well bonded family and you know that's obviously because you have you know in the back of the mind that they'll stand by me if anything goes wrong xyz now coming back taking this same question you know having that trust with your family taking making sure they stand by uh, obviously when you start a d2c there's always that trust factor which is there right if i'm not trusting a particular brand right your the same example which you said right that i'm wearing this brand because and pay willing to pay 10x because i trust this brand they make good clothes right similarly for you so how how do you do you build trust how did dr vedias become like a uh house name uh, in terms of ayurvedic product because whenever it comes to ayurveda or something like people are more uh, you know even for maybe homeopathy they'll be like okay just sweet medicine how does it even help you whereas when there is like allopathics or something like that you trust that more how did you build that trust how does you know or how do you build that trust over you know a period of time when you launch a d2c brand look i think a great question samyak on trust right and that's the challenge that Uh, most D2C brands face because consumers don't know them, right? So on Ayurveda, I'll tell you um, this trust towards allopathy and mistrust towards Ayurveda is an urban phenomenon. Seventy-two percent of Indian households consume at least one Ayurvedic product, right? Our job was to make it two, three, or four, and we weren't an urban brand. Eighty-two percent of our orders came from outside the top ten cities. We catered to Muzaffarnagar, Imphal, Anantnag, and Trichy as much as we catered to Bombay, Delhi, Bangalore, Hyderabad, Chennai. Calcutta, right? Um, these customers trusted Ayurveda. Now, what do we need to do to make them trust us? I think we did three things, right? One, we had 150 years of legacy. We talked about it. Our customer service team would pick up the call saying, um, "Doctor Vedya's 150 years of legacy. Your name to sunao, right?" So that was one. Number two, um, talked a lot about our process, right? Our um, IP, our approvals, our um, process in the factory. um and and what we followed iso 9001 2008 then eventually 2015 gmp certification us fda certification that gave a lot of credibility in terms of customers and and the way they thought about us and the third was talk about your testimonials right talk about customers about a good experience i think i think these three things helped us build trust in the ecosystem uh but i would say that trust is something that takes time and you can't expect to have it on day one absolutely agreed on on all the three points uh, honestly and taking this con- this forward also i i was listening to your podcast you know with varun with raj and all that and i think i picked up on uh, uh one thing which which you were saying that you know your branding or anything any product had something like make in india or something always associated proudly right india. now also yes proudly india i wear so, the so band the indian flag 
Yeah, yeah. So what's this entire story like how did you come up with like having that was it inspired by the Make in India campaign or something like totally that or was just this band yeah. is going to be my my friend um mm-hmm. Part Chandal um when I was in college with him in 2011 mm-hmm. uh, and and both of us are very patriotic and so yeah I I won this band on my hand ever since and I think the the message of taking Ayurveda global or making Ayurveda famous was part of my philosophy as a patriotic indian and um my dream was to have this product on shelves across the world and so i thought it had to have a message of india in the front and center um so it was before the make in india campaign but i think the make in india campaign was definitely in the same sentiment right and if you see me and you see the way i talk um i think pride towards india is very very important um and very close to my heart mm-hmm. uh, and and so i think it was important for that part of me to be on the product as well that's why we did it understood uh and last question on this entire dr vedya story maybe then we can move forward you spoke about covid and obviously there was a surge in demand for something like an ashwagandha and all ayurvedic kind of products uh, and obviously you were six seven people in in your warehouse and obviously your demand would be like enormously huge uh, how, how do you manage like the entire production distribution sales all through like the entire channel because everything had no other option right We, yeah of course i would say that demand surged right mm-hmm. but if you think about it outside a business perspective it was our responsibility to give consumers their immunity boosters at that period of time right? and so other than business and money and revenue and scale also a moral responsibility to give consumers what they need at that point of time that's what motivated us and so need to be 12 hours 14 hours that i need to work on on those days i would do it great so i think uh, arjun like like now just moving a little into the macro aspects of things right like in the d2c ecosystem so obviously we we we've seen a surge in terms of content marketing right both in terms of personal brand as well as company level brands right and and we all for sure know you being an active creator in terms of linkedin in terms of twitter in terms of your own podcast right so i just wanted to understand your take in terms of you know how content marketing influencer marketing can be extremely pivotal or you know extremely decision making in terms of the growth of a d2c brand like many people attribute mama earth's success largely to their influencer marketing campaign but i mean obviously there is much more to it than just influencer marketing but how much do you think is that of a game changer in the entire bigger picture yeah i i i i didn't know i was a creator but it's the first time someone has used that word in relation to me but look I, i'll tell you right i think uh what what is happening today from a macro perspective in the d2c ecosystem right there's lots more brands the supply of ads is limited the demand for ads is increasing so the price is increasing cac is through the roof right and in that period of time you need to do what you can to build brand and to build community to build trust and i think influencer marketing and content marketing is the way to do that now my view on all of this is and if you see my content on linkedin um i post only to add value right and so um i teach a cohort based course on d2c and we are aditi shrivastava the founder of pocket aces on the on the um, um as a guest speaker to our cohort and she said something very interesting on thursday to our entire cohort she said um post content 
only that you would share yourself on your personal social media one and to think about the relevance of other people sharing it when you post the content don't just post to post and this was our rule at doctor ajay's when we created content right um it's not going up unless i share on my personal social media clear um and so i think in the clutter that we live in you really got to think out of the box and think creative i get really annoyed when brands put like just their company logo saying happy ganesh chaturthi or just a picture of ganesh and their logo and happy ganesh chaturthi that's basically putting content to put content out nobody's watching it nobody's interested in it nobody's going to engage with it because everyone's doing that right and so unless you do something creative there's no point putting it out right for me in content in influencer marketing less is more focus on quality and focus on talking something that's genuine right and value adding um instead of just pushing your brand out all the time focusing on adding value right so after we sold the business we started spending uh, we didn't have an office right we sold the business so we spent some time in my dad's office in the luxury jewelry business and we got him and it's a luxury jewelry business so they didn't have much of a digital strategy but we got him to get convinced on a digital strategy and we started creating we started creating reels and then i convinced my dad to do reels um and i convinced my dad to do reels on education of jewelry right so um how to maintain your jewelry how to clean your jewelry um what to think of in buying a diamond or what are the other types of colored stones why are rubies valuable these reels do so much better than our product reels and they've got more than 3 million organic views for a page that has 90000 92000 followers because people are sharing it sharing it and and sharing it right so that that there is the perfect example of my view on content creation less is more add value and only put it out if you want to share on your own social media and that's absolutely insane right like we barely see founders you know be so personal about their brand right and you know uh, arjun just to you know double click on one aspect that you mentioned right so i follow you like religiously on linkedin right because i i post samyak and i both rather post very frequently on linkedin and this is a paradigm shift that we are seeing that a lot of influencer marketing campaigns you know like like you rightly mentioned in when dr vaidya started that time facebook was at its pinnacle right and then we we had youtube we had instagram but a shift that we are looking at is now a lot of brands are getting into you know influencer marketing on linkedin and not just to be i have been approached by a few brands <laughs> yeah but b2c as well right and and another flip side of this is um, i i don't know if you know this or not but tiktok is actually now working as a search engine and it was ranked as a higher website than google because again crazy amount of marketing is happening over there so i mean do you think that brands in india also will be looking a at the shift and b capitalizing on the shift or do you see the shift i think what you're saying right um is linkedin is early and so people think that creators are more genuine and so i i would say brand should use it why not right <laughs> makes total sense it's early on on the platform right we were the biggest advertisers top 10 advertisers on tiktok in india until tiktok got banned why because it was early on in the platform and so there was so much to be done and it was so early right um and i really enjoyed my experience advertising on tiktok when um when uh, when we did so i think um, you should capitalize on platforms when they are ready another feedback or advice uh, 
great tip that i got from raj shamani um, who's a good friend of mine and a creator is when a platform launches something yeah new you should be a part of that right so if instagram launches reels start creating reels because they're going to push it so i mean just one last question arjun like you mentioned about dr vaidya's being a prominent player in the tiktok space when tiktok was legal in india right what like were you getting positive rois from it or was it just a brand building exercise no, we were getting sales it was a performance marketing tool for us okay that, that that's really interesting because i personally don't know of any brand that has you know market yeah, we used it a lot we used it a lot awesome i think awesome. i heard this to the thesis right our customers on tiktok that's where we need to be as a brand i think i heard this in maybe one of your podcasts where maybe something was hitting you because you are promoting your content something like tiktok but you were getting positive roi on that so you kept continuing doing that yeah, so the thing the story that i probably talked about was i didn't like one of the videos that was going up as an ad correct and so i told my performance marketing team look it's fine to do all of these but that's really really bad <laughs> content i don't want my name associated with it it's running at 7x roi so do you want to take it down <laughs> right right fair makes sense great so just again does influencer marketing like say for example i am an influencer or some other influencer you are an influencer does that bring the cac down because companies are spending maybe less on influencer marketing and maybe they would have spent more on maybe marketing on other channels do you think that brings the cac down i think like the biggest mistake that you would make is to think you'll get instant roi in terms of sales from influencer marketing on day one in the long term it will bring the cac down but in the short term it will just increase your top of funnel that's the way to think about it you think that you'll get an influencer to post and you'll get sales straight from that post right. um, it's not reality right until you understand. learn understand what works what doesn't work it may not lead to sales but it lead to a larger top of funnel and larger awareness okay got it all right so now moving on to your vc which you are working on right now so obviously you sold your business and you know started this fund of your own and i think you took a break in between you went on a holiday and all so what of you to start your vc was it like you know the funds which you got from selling your uh, you know business and then you started investing those as angels in, in via vc exactly. that was the journey you wanted to get and start yeah, that was the journey we started investing as angels first we started mentoring pro bono advising founders mm-hmm. then we started investing as angels enjoyed that journey and i think as an exited founder my job is to give back to the ecosystem now and enable brands in a structured way and i think being a venture capitalist being an investor um is a great way to enable the next generation of founders and so my goal was always after selling the business can i enable a thousand founders then i'm doing a good job for our ecosystem and so this is right. just not the way to do it um i like the people when goal invest reach out to me i thought they were fantastic group of people i like the vision of having a global founder led vc fund right so the idea is to have in india us and europe 3x founders running three separate funds that work together and i just thought it was super cool and and i think we need many more operators to start investing in i'm glad to see so many already good right so how does your day look like now you you know you create content and you you have your own vc fund you you spend a lot of time talking to a lot of people obviously right on a day to day basis so like how do you kind of park your day in different kind of slots or more structured than when i was a founder because that day yes. had no structure i now go by a calendar i block slots mm-hmm. on my calendar uh, as opposed to going helter skelter 
but look i think whatever i do right whether it's my podcast or it's my work as an investor or as an angel um or it's the content i put out it's all to give back or enable this ecosystem and so people say you do so many things but i do so many things but they all work out to the same thing right and that's the that's the that's the way i manage it so um arjun i just had you know two follow up questions to that right so firstly a how do you keep the whole angel and the vc aspect you know separate yet complementary at the same time to you know reduce friction between the two and second is that we i mean essentially everyone in the ecosystem has heard a lot about founders who've made like you know double digit investments right but they generally don't really provide that sort of you know bandwidth in terms of support or mentoring to the startups right so how and and again i know this about you because you've invested in a friend startup and you've been actively mentoring that startup as well right so how does this pan out right like the first one in terms of reducing friction and the whole mentoring skills if i may say so look i think i invest um because i want to support founders i like um and so my philosophy is always when i'm investing i'm investing in a good person when they need me i'm there but i'm not going to push myself to be that right and so if a founder of investment calls me at 10:30 and i'm awake i'll answer their call i'll help them i'll find time for them that's the way i operate um so whenever a founder needs help from me they reach out to me and my whatsapp is always open for my angel portfolio and even more than that right like even if i've not invested in your business it's okay um i'm i'm happy to have a chat and have a conversation and that's how we got connected as well right understood and moving on to this so you invest in angels and vcs do you have a own investment portfolios like into equities or mutual funds or index funds we or whatever we have a family like office we have a family yeah. office actually I, i run i mean my father brother me all do it together um, and we invest across mm-hmm. asset classes right from all the way from um fixed deposits to angel investments we have a sort of investment structure um including mlds corporate bonds um venture debt reits invits um and then uh, pms strategies mutual fund direct equity portfolio um and then obviously angel investments or early stage investments and funds as well pcp uh, mm-hmm. so we have a portfolio that straddles across asset classes and so what's your investment philosophy like for a layman who wants to start investing today if he wants to invest like a lump sum or an sip what would you suggest like as a mentor yeah i think look i'm not an expert in this uh, what i would say is just um, do what you can on a consistent basis um, so i'm a big fan of sips um, i think it's a great way to be structured to be disciplined i do it i've been doing it for the last mm-hmm. 5 years now i, I mm-hmm. don't even look at it I, i know it's for a rainy day or for the future but it's a great discipline okay. to have correct absolutely agree absolutely agree i think more, like now towards the end we we i think we have a couple of uh, questions to which we asked to all our guests and i think i'll i'll maybe probably end with that uh, what's what's your take on financial independence of freedom uh, when do you think you were financially independent or when can someone you know put a dot that yeah i am financially free and obviously you had a long journey um, maybe probably a few books which you have read has helped you across in your in your journey to creating brands 
yeah for me i felt financially independent when i bought my own house which i now live mm-hmm. in um, i think that was a big moment for me um i think it was the culmination of the sort of all the hard work we put in our entrepreneurial journey which led to this um, so that was a proud moment but also a feeling of financial independence for me from a books perspective um i would say um i'm i'm a big um podcast guy so masters of scale read hoffman's podcast mm-hmm. business wars by wondery yep my podcast i'm going to put a shameless plug books wise i like purple cow by seth godin mm-hmm. it's the best marketing book i've read um right. everyone talks about um from 0 to 1 peter thiel's book i think how i almost blew it by siddharth rao great book on indian entrepreneurs and indian internet entrepreneurs and then shoot out i feel like yeah it's a great story of resilience mm-hmm. i i think 0 to 1 and shoot dog has been recommended by everyone we've come across like in the last i think journey of and i think my book is a very good book the disney story journey of a life okay great book mm-hmm. okay I think Lynchpin is also a book by Seth Godin, and I I am not sure, but I think that Seth Godin. I think Lynchpin is something which is also related to something other. But I'll pick up the the other one which you said uh, on Seth Godin because I I like him as a as an author. Yeah, purple. I never heard, so I think I'll pick up that one. Yeah. All right. All right. I think we I think we've got a lot of insight. I think the first question which you answered, I think. answered almost all my questions and i then just broke it down into few parts to make it clear but like obviously a pleasure to learn from your experience uh, arjun and it it's been a pleasure to host you sorry if on a sunday but uh, but yeah no, sunday is the best i personally learned a lot <laughs> thank you so much guys for taking out the time it's yeah. been a pleasure and i hope this adds value yeah. to the people absolutely absolutely we we'll love to have you again on our podcast sometime later and Absolutely. maybe if 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 